The following is a hoop bowl presentation. What is going on? It is the Hoop Ball Clippers podcast. We're recording on a Sunday morning. Brandon Marcus here, joined by my normal weekend co-host, Justin Wilson of LA Clippers Film, breaking down the game four loss as the Clippers head to game five, down three to one. They went down 0-2 twice, one game three, or actually three times, one game three, three times, and you thought, okay, you're in good shape. The Clippers are going to do what they've done. And then they go and fall 84 to 80 yesterday. Justin, I want to tell you how I kind of view this series. But first, I want to see, man, how are you? How are things? Well, things are well. Um, You know, whenever you run, whenever you consistently go down 2-0, this is always the danger. And um, the Clippers have been able to skate by this danger a couple of times and you know, you're flying so close to the sun that at some point you may get burnt. And we kind of got burnt last night. Um, you know, it's unfortunate because all of the games that the Clippers have lost, they've been incredibly winnable. So, yeah, um, that's both encouraging and discouraging at the same time. So, um, yeah, I, I I'm I'm OK. I'm OK. Um, I think. When you see how good the Clippers are at times, even without Kawhi Leonard, you kind of just I don't I don't want to say you kind of forget, but you kind of have to remember that this team is playing without Kawhi Leonard. They are playing without Serge Ibaka. They are playing at a severe rest disadvantage and they are playing against the number two team in the West record wise and who's been playing Maybe, like, they've played, like, maybe, what, four games in, like, 12, 13 days. So, um, yeah, definitely um, definitely feel okay. Um, wish they would have got last night, but it's on a game five. You're leading right into what I want to discuss. And it's tough for Clippers fans to really understand how to feel right now. And I, I see very different reactions on Twitter. Uh, I saw one yesterday. I believe it was from Brian of the Clipset Pod that was saying, I'm so proud of this team. Um, it's very tough to figure out where I fall because watching a game like last night and seeing them down by one for what seemed like 40 minutes and just unable to take the lead. And you bring up Kawhi Leonard, you bring up Serge Ibaka. And in this situation, a team shouldn't really be able to be without what was two of their five starters and make the NBA finals. Like that usually does not happen in the NBA playoffs, but this just feels different. It feels different because this Clippers team is good enough. All the pieces mix. And I right now am left with a sense of frustration. And I understand it's it's tough because you bring up the rest and it is nuts what the Clippers have had to do. And you tweeted last night, Paul George, 694 minutes so far in the postseason. Next closest person, Devin Booker, 330, or rather 130 less. So 694 for PG, 562 for Booker. And so then you look at what PG did yesterday, and you're like, it's hard to get mad at the guy for going 5 for 20 and 12 for 18 from the line. Of course, a couple of those misses were on purpose. 
But it's just one of those things where it was there for the taking, Justin, and I'm left with a sense of frustration because it feels like game two, they should have won. If you have DeMarcus Cousins out of that game and you have somebody else guarding the inbounds or you don't play Rondo, it's one of those things where there are so many little things that I feel like the Clippers could have done and they didn't. And I'll tell you this, and I'm going so many different ways with this right now. And so we can break it down in different angles. I thought the game was lost before it even started yesterday. I thought Ty Lue made a terrible decision starting Marcus Morris over Terrence Mann. You're down two games to one. You need energy. You're at home. Terrence Mann was unbelievable on Chris Paul. And what does Chris Paul do immediately? He starts passing the ball. He starts getting involved. And that's because Marcus Morris is on the floor and not Terrence Mann. So I thought the game was lost before it even started. Let's start with that. What are your thoughts on the decision to start Marcus Morris over Mann? Because I thought it was a terrible decision. And Ty Lue's been very good in this postseason, apart from a couple of mistakes where he went with Rondo way too long. And I thought last night was one of his worst mistakes. Well, I do think Ty has been good this playoff run. Yeah. Um, You know, for me, it's one of those things where he's got a lot on his plate to juggle as far as like um, not just Kawhi Leonard and Serge being hurt, but also, as as we mentioned earlier, the rest disadvantage. And so he's had he's had a lot on his plate to juggle as far as getting rotations down. But with that being said, um, yeah, it was kind of befuddling to me that he went back to Marcus in the starting lineup after seeing how game three played out. I felt like he would have given that lineup a little more of a look from jump after um, after what um, after what transpired in game three. So, like, my 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 reaction was simply that it was it's very weird how like you win by like 14 15 points with a lineup and you go away from it yeah. the next game that, that i i just i did not understand um that at all and i'm i'm left still confused right like we talk we talked about um i i've said this before that even even with out Kawhi Leonard and Serge Ibaka, this this Clipper team, this series has been right there. Every, they've lost three games by an average of like 3.7 points per game or something like that. They lost game two by one. They lost game they lost game one by six, and then they lost yesterday by four, a game in which they held Phoenix to 84 points. Yeah. So they, they're right there, but without Kawhi Leonard and Serge Ibaka – the margins are the margin for error is so slim. So like you can't do something like that where like you you find a lineup that works and then you go away from it and you immediately are down like fourteen to two and you're in the hole trying to climb climb out of it and they never got out of it. Like they came close, right? They got as close as down by one, but like that set the precedent and the game was like almost lost from that point. Like. We we mentioned in the Utah series and in the Dallas series how important it is to start games right, and they were down fourteen to two, and they never got over that hump. And so, like, I was I was confused off the rip about not, Terrence not starting. Um, I'm also confused as to why Nicholas Batum can't break twenty minutes anymore. I'll be I'm curious to see what's going on with him. Like, 
once this season is over, whenever that may be, I, I want I would love to hear like what's going on with Nico from a body perspective, because he obviously isn't right if yeah. he's playing this low um, of minutes. You know what I mean? So um, but to 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 your question, I'm I'm in total agreement. The Terrence Mann thing is incredibly confusing. They went down big immediately. Like you said, it's yeah. just one of those things you need to start off. Well, I'm tired of seeing this team dig themselves into holes, whether it's during a game or during a series. Because it's not necessary, and that's where I kind of go back to how I started with how all the clip, all the excuses the Clippers could have with the rest, with having Kawhi hurt, with having Ibaka hurt. The Clippers are the better team, and, and they're just making stupid little mistakes. They're playing Rondo way too much, and you look at Rondo, who's a minus eight in eight minutes in game three. You look at the decision to start Marcus Morris. He was a minus 10 in that game yesterday. They lost by six. Terrence Mann was a plus one. You Like you said, you win by 14. Why are you changing the lineup? And it's not even for offensive purposes. And I know how poor the Clippers did to start yesterday. But watching Terrence Mann, the eye test just shows you that Mann and, Book, or Mann and uh, Bev locked up CP and Booker. They locked them up. And you just make the change. It doesn't make sense to me. So I thought the game was lost before it even started, despite the fact that once again, the Clippers had a chance later on in the game to win. So uh, let's talk about Paul George because there's obviously the narrative and it's very difficult to actually give analysis on this, Justin, because you want to give the guy a break because of the amount of minutes, like we said, that he has played. And I'll say it again. He has played the most minutes, 694, 130 more than Devin Booker. So his legs are shot. But does that mean he gets a pass for going 5 for 20 last night and not shooting above 50%? I think this entire series, he was 5 for 20 yesterday, 9 for 26 in game 3, 10 for 23 in game 2, 10 for 26 in game one. He just has not shot the ball well. I feel like as a player, you got to realize, I understand that you got to get the shots up. He's your best player. But at some point, you got to figure out a way to do something else and get others involved. How do you break down Paul George? Because it seems to be really difficult to actually give analysis on a guy that you know is, has been their best player. Like you said on Twitter, the floor is so much higher now for Paul George when he's having these bad games. He was still putting up 23, 16, and 6 yesterday, which is really good numbers-wise, but he's missing free throws. He missed two with the game um, at Phoenix. He missed some yesterday that were big, and he missed 15 of his 20 shots. What do we do about Paul George, Justin? Um, I'm going to have a really, really boring answer when it comes to him. Um, he was fantastic this playoff run for the most part next to Kawhi Leonard, like in games three and four against against Utah, while Kawhi Leonard was scoring 30. So was Paul George. He was doing it efficiently. He was getting to the rim. Um, he just has no pop. He has no pop. He has no legs. And I think a lot of his struggles right now are due solely to fatigue. Um, 
like a, like he's played like over what 130 more minutes than anybody else in the playoffs and it's not just the minutes he's got to defend he's got to defend the team's best players he's got to rebound i think over the last two games he's averaging like 13 14 rebounds a game which is incredible he's averaging like 6 7 assists he's got to be the team's point guard he's got he's got to get us into offense he's got to make plays for everybody else and he's got to play like 42 minutes a night for us to have a chance. I think, um, yeah, it's, it's boring, but really I don't even, I don't think the Paul George stuff is much of a big deal unless, unless we really think that he's supposed to be Superman and superhuman. Like that's, um, that's kind of my take on PG. Um, I don't, I don't know if that's, uh, unpopular but yeah that's that's um that's my take because like you know while paul george since Kawhi leonard has been out right paul george is his net rating the clippers net rating with paul george on the floor um plus 10.3 without him in 37 minutes they're like a minus 36.2 yeah so he literally can't sit at all without us falling apart and i think if anything, the fact that we've had chances to beat the Suns and the fact that we got past the Jazz and are here speaks volumes about Paul George. And, and it speaks volumes about how you can lead a team to victory and get really close to victory without shooting the ball well. And so um I don't know. I just I don't I don't I don't view guys as like superhuman and like, you know, anybody with this workload is going to be tired and it's just unfortunate because like, you know, and I'm, I'm sorry to be long winded, but like he's, he's, he doesn't have another guy to initiate offense and make plays at a high level right now. It's literally him, right? You can't play Rondo. Kawhi Leonard isn't there, you know? So I, I, I mean, it's much ado about nothing. Like he, if anybody with the minute minute load and responsibility that Paul George has, if you can be as if you can be way more efficient than that, then like so be it. But I I, I don't even think the Clippers are losing these games in part because of PG's um um erratic shooting. Like I I definitely would have liked to see him make more free throws and you know i don't i don't want to be like somebody that's completely excusing um what his play but like the man's tired like i don't i don't know how much more more blatantly to put it he's tired let me ask you this then because there's no doubt about it he he's exhausted and that's why it's very hard to actually come down on a stance here because He's been awful. I mean, he has not been good when it comes to shooting the basketball. You have to realize at some point that the shot's not falling and try and do something else, right? I mean, as a player, you and I have talked about how PG is the guy that initiates the offense and that this team doesn't really need a point guard because they have PG and Kawhi that can start the offense. Is there another way that PG can realize, hey, the shot's not going down. I'm missing 15 of 20 shots. Does he have to keep shooting and we just have to live and die by that? Or can he become more of a facilitator and try and get open shots for other players? Because let's be honest, everyone sucked yesterday. I mean, you go up and down that lineup yesterday. Yeah, for both teams. I, I mean, everybody could not shoot. Zoo was the only one that shot over 50% for the Clippers. Everybody else was not good. And, I mean, you even look at Batum off the bench, one for six. You look at Kennard, one for four. 
And for Reggie Jackson, it was the first time that he had shot this poorly. Every game in the last two series, he had shot 50% or better, except for one game where he was one shot away from shooting 50%. So that's how good Reggie Jackson has been this postseason, where he goes 8 for 24 and the team collapses. I mean, that is the first game that Reggie Jackson has not had the ball go in for him. So when Reggie doesn't have the ball going in, then that means you look at PG because Reggie had been covering up a lot of the bad shooting by PG. But I go back to my original question. What do you do if you're Paul George? Do you keep shooting? Do you recognize your legs aren't there and try to become more of a passer? What is there to do? Because he can't keep shooting this poorly with the Clippers wanting to come back and win this series. I think he's doing that. Like a lot of the... I even tweeted a play out yesterday um, or maybe a day or two ago where like he didn't, he wouldn't get, he's averaging like six, seven assists a game. But like, even the plays that he doesn't get assists, he's getting hockey assists by like starting to play by getting into paint, getting into the paint and spraying out. Um, I don't, I don't, I, I don't think as far as like his, playmaking or getting others involved has been much of an issue. I think he's doing that just fine. Um, the, the thing with him is that like when, when shots, when, when you don't have the three ball going, you would like to see him attack the rim a little more. But again, that comes down to legs, like, you know, attacking the basket is hard going from the three point line against a really good defense and getting all the way to the rim to finish is hard. Like, and doing that without any like real legs or real pop is like even harder. So, um, I don't, I don't have a solution other than hoping, um, shooting luck falls in his favor. Um, because at the end of the day, they're playing a really great defense and he's basically the Clippers point guard. And, um, with that responsibility, he has to do a lot, and that's going to come with a level of physical fatigue that um, that makes it hard to like be incredibly efficient. Now, maybe he finds some juice with an elimination game, and he can uh, he gets he shoots a little bit better. But um, but like they've played what sixteen games in like twenty nine days or something something crazy like that. Yeah. Um, I. I just don't I don't expect him to like shoot very well, but um, I think it's more important at this stage of the season for him to get shots up. Um, I don't think it's a coincidence that he only shot 20 times yesterday and the Clippers only scored 84 points. I think it's more important that he gets shots up than makes makes or misses because he is such a good player that if you give him 25, 27 shots, he should get you like 27, 28 points. And I think you need that more than anything. Like we we lost the game. I think how many points did we score last night? We lost the game because we scored 80 points. So yeah. literally everybody is running on fumes right now. And um, we just need to get the ball in the air and hope that shooting luck falls in our favor. And I think Paul George is doing a fine job of like every everybody's playing off of him really well. He just can't make any shots. And so um if that cha- if that doesn't change it'll be hard to win this series and climb out of this 3-1 hole but he may he may we'll we'll see what happens but like you know i it's tough because he he's got a lot of responsibility and he may be running on e it's crazy man it's i think the most frustrating thing as a clippers fan and someone that has been through all the highs and the lows and mostly lows of this team is that it's right there for the taking 
This series is right there for the taking. The Clippers basically lost by one possession yesterday. I mean, you take away those free throws at the end by Phoenix, it's a one-possession ball game, and their best player missed 15 of 20 shots. It, it, and let's obviously not... No, our for, best player isn't there. Right. I, I mean, our best player that's active. Um, I mean, and let's obviously not forget that Phoenix was awful as well. I mean, Booker was eight of 22 and CP was six of 22. Those guys were not good. And Booker missed his first two free throws. Um, so it's just one of those things where nobody could actually get the ball to go in. So let's not say, okay, yeah, the Clippers, if they would have made one or two more shots, they should have won because Phoenix could have said the same thing, that it could have been a bigger margin of victory. I just don't know where this team goes from here because you're down three games to one. It feels like it's right there, but for yeah. some reason, it's just that there's that one little thing that they need that they're not getting, and they would have had if they had a little bit more rest, if they would have had one more guy healthy, if they had one more shot go in. It just feels like they're right there at the ability to jump and get into the ocean and get there, but they're just like at the edge, and they're just not able to jump off. I, how do you feel? Because it's difficult as a fan to see how close they're getting and they're not able to get over the hump so far. Um, when you're down 3-1, it's hard to feel very optimistic. Yeah. But as far as like that goes, I feel really good because the Clippers have found some real defensive juice in yeah. this series and that should not go un- unnoticed. Like, they held Phoenix to 104 in game two. That'll win. That's winning you games in the NBA in 2021. They held Phoenix to 92 points in game three, and then they held them to 84 points in game four. And Devin Booker has had, um, uh, Paul George hasn't been great, but neither has Devin Booker. And Chris Paul, since he's been back, has not been great at all either. And I think that has a lot to do with the defense of Terrence Mann, the defense of Patrick Beverly, the defense of Zoo. They've done just a fabulous job on the defensive side of the ball. And that alone tells you that um, come game five, they're going to have a chance to win. Um, and to me, when you're when you're playing the Suns with Chris Paul and Devin Booker and you don't have Kawhi or Serge and you still have a very real chance to win, I think that's a win in a win in of itself, right? A few bounces go your way. Um, you get like a good shooting game from someone and you're back at Staples for game six. So they've lost the three game their three games in this series by an average of like three points a game. So like that tells you that game five should be pretty close. Like like you're going to get in the third or fourth quarter and you're going to have a chance to win. And that is a great outcome, given the fact that you're on the road without your best player. That's a great outcome. No matter what, no matter what, that's a fantastic outcome. And that to me tells you what I've been saying all along. This series is closer to a coin flip than what most would imagine. I think the Clippers are outscoring the Suns um, 403 to 400 this series, despite being down three, one. So like, you know, they've been right there and I don't think I don't see how that changes. Um, so the fact that they are right there tells you that, like, they have a chance. They have a real chance to bring this back to Staples for game six. And, um, you know, I I wouldn't be surprised at all if they uh, if they won game five. I don't I don't think this is I don't think this despite them being down three one. I don't think um, I don't think for a second that this is like 
um, not doable. This is incredibly doable. Phoenix has done nothing to make anyone believe that they are far superior than this iteration of the Clippers, which says volumes, but that's a, that's a story for another pot. Yes. Agree. Uh, I agree with you completely. The Clippers have seen a three, one lead disappear. And I think that helps a lot. I think that what the Clippers went through last year and knowing that it can be done since it went against them and they know that it happened against them, I think can give them some hope that if they win game five, the Clippers could win this series because that'll give them a lot of momentum and a lot of optimism because then you win game six at home. All of a sudden, it's winner take all in game seven. So one game at a time, I think the mantra definitely needs to be there. And the Clippers have seen it happen to them. And I want to update a stat from Tomer. I had him on the pod on Friday where the Clippers are now nine and eight in the playoffs. They have a plus 90 point differential. 90. They're 9 and 8, and they have outscored their opponents by 90 in this postseason. So it goes back to how I started this pod and how to feel about this team. And I think talking to you has helped because (laughs) as much as I want to get upset because Paul George has missed 15 of 20, and I want to say you can't do that if you're the best player, I don't think you can miss the free throws. I think that's inexcusable. You need to be much better from the line. I think PG knows that, but he's got to be better from the free throw line. But the missed shots are just tired legs. The Clippers have played a shitload of games, and it's going to happen. You're going to miss a a lot of shots because your legs are tired. And Reggie Jackson, if he makes one or two more shots, it may be a different ball game if anybody makes one or two more shots. So I'm back to where I have optimism. I certainly do. I think the Clippers very well could come back and win this series. And you look at it and you're like, all right, well, they've done great. I mean, with no Kawhi and no Ibaka, you try and go out there and play 42 minutes a night and see how your legs feel on the fourth game in eight days. I mean, you're going to be exhausted, and that's just kind of the way PG is. So uh, we'll get to it. Before before we move on, I I need to tell you guys about our friends over at MyBookie. Ever since I started this pod, people are always asking me for betting tips. I'm telling them, you know what? Here's the deal. Go to MyBookie. Their rep is rock solid. They've got the best odds contest promotions in the business, whether it's basketball, baseball, football, soccer, tennis, golf. All the sports are there. Live lines are there. Blackjack is there. I don't give them my stamp of approval easily. you got to be the best at what you do. And my bookie, frankly, is the best at what they do. Enter the promo code HOOPBALL. Get your deposit matched halfway up to 1000 bucks. That's the promo code HOOPBALL. Get your deposit matched halfway up to 1000 bucks. Head over to my bookie if you want to add a little excitement to the sports you love and the games you bet. Bet with the best. Bet with my bookie. All right, Justin, let's talk game five because it really does need to be one game at a time at this point for the Clippers. Game five adjustments. Mine's pretty simple. Start man over Morris. Uh, I think you need to go back to that man over Morris starting lineup and do what you've done. Beverly, man, lock up book, lock up CP, and go from there. And you really got to hope that Reggie Jackson and PG can continue to carry this offense with what they what they have done ever since Kawhi was out. It's been them too. They have really led the way. So I think that's my my adjustment for game five. Is it that simple? Um yeah, that I mean that's one adjustment that like, you know, my thing has always been trying to pick off the low hanging fruit and then going from there. And that's and that's that's something that's like can easily be, be picked off. Um, Terrence yesterday was a prime example of how you can play somebody 30, 30 plus minutes 
off the bench, but it still doesn't matter if he doesn't start. Yeah. So yeah, I I think you know there's nothing there. You should leave nothing on the table because game five is the season, and so I I'm starting Terrence. If I'm Ty, it's very obvious that he needs to start. Um, beyond that, I think they just have to make shots. I've, they found a formula that works and I think their offense has, is what's failed them. And that's going to come down to shot making. And that's something that, you know, you can't predict, um, their shot quality has been fine. Um, and, and that's kind of evident in how PG gets his six or seven assists this yesterday, despite everyone shooting terribly, that's because he's still finding seams. Um, you know, I think at one point in the first half, they went three of 19 on threes and half of them were classified as open or wide open. So like, you know, it's a make or miss league a lot of the times, but I do think the Clippers have a formula that works, right? Like Devin Booker being bad, after game one is not a coincidence. This is now three straight games where he's just, he's, he's locked up. I mean, he was eight of 22 yesterday. Um, and I think Chris Paul, if you look at the first game of the season against the Suns, the second game of the season against the Suns, games three and four, this is now four or five games where he struggled mightily against the Clippers' length. And I think the Clippers know how to guard Chris Paul, and they have him bottled up. They have him bottled up. They have Devin Booker bottled up. Um, they found a formula to win. It's now all about their offense coming through, and I found myself constantly coming back to that in the playoffs whenever the Clippers lose or whenever they struggle, it's almost always about their offense. They always defend well enough to win and your off your defense is an extension of your offense. And when your offense is clicking, it makes it easier to defend. And so yeah, my my adjustment um is to make shots. Like you've got to make shots. You've got to score. You've got to score. Like the problem last night was the fact that you had 80 points. Like you held Phoenix to 84. That is like historically great and you held them to 92 the game before and both of these games Chris Paul and Devin Booker were playing while Kawhi Leonard wasn't so on one level you have to give Dan Craig and the coaching staff some credit defensively for the game plan that they've done because this has been an awesome series from a defensive standpoint but offensively and this is where you know I wonder if they have enough legs to just finish the job but like the, the adjustment is Terrence Mann plus actually getting some offensive juice and he goes a long way towards that I think you know he's got those young legs he's got the he's got that energy um we've got to ride him and hopefully he gets us off on the right foot offensively and we go from there but defensively we've got it we've got we've got the strategy we've got the scheme that we want to employ and um I, I feel confident on that end of the floor it's offense if we can if we can come if we can find some legs um, to carry us in game five, I, I feel very confident about us um, coming to game six. The Clippers were the best three-point shooting team in the NBA during the season. If I would have told you, Justin, if we would have recorded this pod right now and you wouldn't have watched yesterday's game, and I would have told you they were five for 31 from three, 21 of 32 from the line, best free throw shooting team, best three-point shooting team, you would have thought they would have gotten demolished. You would have thought they would have lost by 50 like they did against Dallas during the regular season. They missed 26 of 31 threes and they missed 11 of their 32 free throws. Granted, a couple of those were on purpose, but still they missed a decent chunk of free throws. Terrence Mann missed two 
when the, he had the opportunity to make some. I think PG missed four um, that weren't on purpose. It's just those two, those two things, three-point shooting and free throws. This is a team that normally you can look at their three-point shooting and their free throws in a game, and you can tell whether they've won or whether they've lost. And I think it is that simple. You bring up, you got to make shots. You make some threes, you make your free throws, you're going to win the game. Because like you said, the defense has figured it out. The defense is very good, but you got to make shots. The question is, can they make shots? Are their legs too tired to make shots? How do you figure that out? How do you figure out a game plan, Justin, to get shots that you can make without having to put that stress on your legs? Or is there no way? Is it just one of those things where your legs are tired, there's no shot really that you can try and get? And I'll answer my own question there. It's two games in a row now where the Clippers have kind of abandoned the three in the second half and they've attacked the hoop and it's worked. It seems like that needs to be the formula, right, Justin, is attack the basket and if you get the kick out for three, you take it. But attack the basket and try to get back, try to get your points at the rim. What do you think? Um, I don't know. I I don't I I don't I, I don't necessarily agree with abandoning the three point line. Um, you know, I just think that they've got to play aggressive. Like, for instance, I don't think it's a coincidence that you know we 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 started getting a little bit more juice on the offensive end at the end at the in the second half yesterday when Terrence started like really coming alive. So really it's not so much abandoning the three as much as it's just playing aggressive and playing out of that and seeing what's um seeing what comes of that. But again, like it's hard to it's hard to get around the um fatigue factor and arrest disadvantage because it affects everything even free throws it affects everything like you run up and down the court on the rest disadvantage against the phoenix suns on the road in that environment and like you have to go to the free throw line and make two free throws like that's tiresome um that's not an that's not an excuse for like missing free throws by the way i'm just i'm just saying that like when you are operating at a rest disadvantage, I think the Clippers are down to like playing um, eight guys now. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like I, if they've got like an eight man rotation working, um, if, if they they got their starters and then Terrence Mann played 33 minutes, you've got like some Luke Kennard minutes here, some Nico Batum minutes here, but they, they really have like an eight man rotation working and that's with the rest disadvantage on top of that short rotation. And so um, it's going to be hard to get around that. But I think the um, the right way to attack is just, as Ty Lue has been saying all year, they've got to touch the paint. Deep paint touches generate clean looks. And at that point, you just trust you just trust your work. Um, I don't – it's a make or miss league. they got to make shots. And um, – I thought that, like, I think at one point in the first half yesterday, they were three of nineteen from three. But like, those shots were good. And like, if you don't make, if you don't make open shots in the NBA, you're going to lose. That's yeah. just you're not going to lose, but you probably will lose. Like, like, there's no way to get around missing open shots in the NBA because the whole point of basketball is to generate open looks. And if you're not making open looks, it makes winning very hard. And so I think going into game five, um, the strategy that the Clippers employ offensively is a relative sound one. 
Um, you would love if Paul George and Reggie Jackson could get more looks at the rim, but Phoenix is a really good team. DeAndre Aiden is a fantastic big man. Yeah. Um, it's not going to be easy to get shots at the basket, especially when you're playing um, Zoo instead of Batum, right? Like you're gonna you're gonna encounter um, Aiden at the rim. So the whole point in that scenario is to get to the paint collapse the defense kick it out pain and spray and so um i think they've been doing a solid job of that and i think they can do a solid job of that in um in game five as well it'll just be it'll ultimately fall down to whether or not they can make shots it's funny because you say the clippers have eight players now and frankly they really have six i mean you you have batum who something's going on there because he has gone from being an important part of what they've done um, he was still plus three, by the way, in the game that they lost by four yesterday in 16 minutes. So it, it goes back to your thing with Man and Batum, and those guys continue to be in the plus when they lose. So it, it's, of course, it's pretty simple. But something's wrong with Batum, and Morris is hurt. You're really playing with six healthy guys, and those six healthy guys are exhausted. So despite all that, the fact that this team has a chance to win these games is mind-blowing, despite the fact that they didn't review the ball yesterday that went off of campaign, despite the fact they didn't call an and one when Terrence Mann was whacked on his layup. I mean, they're, they're doing all of this despite all of the different things that you could say are holding them back, and they're still right there. So there's got to be optimism for this team. And, and I do want to bring up Zoo because we haven't talked about him. But the job he has done this postseason, and in particular in this uh, series, Justin, 13 points, 14 rebounds yesterday. DeAndre Ayton has become an absolute monster this postseason. Good on him. Chris Paul, frankly, has probably saved his career because Ayton was a very average guy before Chris Paul got there. And to put up 19 points, 22 rebounds, and four blocks in a game four is really impressive. So give credit to Ayton. Um, just another big man that Chris Paul has helped. And for Zoo to hang with him, man, my my hat is off to Zoo. It seems like there are series that going forward, Zoo's not going to be able to really be a part of. Um, they need to figure out a way where there can be less of those than more of those. Um, he's going to be a great regular season player, getting really important to what they do. But I, I just wanted to just mention Zoo, Justin, because I thought he's done a nice job so far in this series. He's done a really great job. Um, and he's done, he's done, he's, he hasn't matched Aiden, but he's not as talented as Aiden. But I think with that being said, he's been fantastic. And the Clippers have been better when he's on the floor of um, this series. Um, and ultimately with, with Zoo, it boils down to whether or not guards can make pull up threes against them. And if they can, if they burn him on those, then it makes playing him hard. And you saw it in the first two rounds where Luca. And um, and Donovan, they they can make threes off the dribble and went on those switches. And those are just devastating. But in this series, you've got Chris Paul and Devin Booker who don't shoot threes well at all. Like they're they're not they're they're not even looking for threes. And that plays into Zoo's length and size advantage. So, um, yeah, he's been he's been he's been great. Um, I'm still a fan of Zoo. Um, it'll be interesting to see how the Clippers um, navigate Zoo's progression moving forward. Um, but I thought if the Clippers bow out in in this series, 
um, it's nice to see his um, season ending on a high note because it would have been it would have sucked to see see the Clippers lose against Dallas or Utah, and it, the narrative would have been like Zoo Zoo has no utility at all. So it's nice to see that like we've played long enough for the Clippers fans to see like hey. Yet he still has value, immense value, and at and at some point he'll be incredibly useful in a playoff series. But you know that's the greatness of Ty Lue. He he knows that each playoff series is different. Each playoff series is going to bring about a different set of rotations, and players have to be malleable and adjust to that. Um, credit to Zoo for being a professional and being ready when his name has been called. Justin, let's hope that next week we're talking after the Clippers have made a heroic comeback to win this after being down three games to one. If not, then uh, you and I will be chatting next week if you're around next weekend and we'll do a uh, season recap about the season that was. And it's certainly been this is going at least six. Uh, you think so? You, my, you think I game do. five is going to be a win? I'm I'm like, I, I am. I, <laughs> I, 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 I run optimistic, but like yes. even with that, these games have been so close. I don't know how anyone with any sort of certainty could count the Clippers out in this series. I mean, I get they're down 3-1, but just being a neutral observer, I don't know how you could look at the Suns and think, well, they're just substantially better than the Clippers. They've got no shot. I mean, if that were the case, I think in one of these two games, or at least in one of their wins, they would have won in a more authoritative manner. They haven't come close to that. And I think we're too deep in the series. I think everything by both teams has been shown. And I think the fact that all of these losses have been razor thin tells you everything that you need to know. So, like, I, I think this series at least goes six. Here's my prediction. If the Clippers do end up making a comeback in this series, it's going to be because it's going to be because they've obviously started making their threes. And I think it's going to be because Luke Kennard has started to have a a role in this series. Uh, I think that he needs to be the guy. We talked about how Batum is clearly hurting. Morris is hurt. George is exhausted. Reggie Jackson's exhausted. Luke Kennard has played the fewest minutes out of all these guys. If there's somebody that's going to have the legs underneath them, that's going to start to get hot for this team, it feels like it's going to be Luke Kennard. I could be wrong. I could be wrong. But it just feels like they need to get their shot going offensively, and the only person that still has legs is Luke Kennard. That's my thought, Justin. Um, I've liked how Luke Kennard has looked for most of the playoffs, and that's great for the Clippers moving forward. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like Terrence and Luke and Zoo all having real positive moments bodes well for the Clippers' future moving forward. That's pretty encouraging. But I'm with you. I'm with you on that. I'm 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 a resident on Luke Kennard Island, and I feel like every three he shoots is gonna go in. And he's been playing with some real aggression, and I think that could be helpful. Um. You know, I wouldn't surprise me for a six-minute shift in game five that he makes like eight points and makes a couple of threes and gets us off on the right foot. So I, I could see that as well. Yeah, I think it needs to be him. And it, another thing, you mentioned Zoo and just the optimism going the next season no matter what on him. I think Kennard and the fact that he started to find his legs and his confidence is massive going into next year because in order for the Clippers to be successful, he has to have confidence and he has found that. So that's huge. Justin Wilson, LA Clippers film on Twitter. A big thanks, my man. Really appreciate having you on. Yeah, I'm, 
you know, I love doing, I love working with you. This is always fun. And um, hopefully we've had, we got more games to uh, cover in the future. So he's Justin. I'm Brandon. You can follow me on Twitter at BD Marcus. Twitter handle for the Hoopball Clippers podcast is at Hoopball Clips. We'll be back hopefully midweek after a couple of wins. But if not, we'll be back next weekend for our season recap. He's Justin. I'm Brandon. Have a good one, everybody. And of course, go Clips. Go Clips.